Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Team Cooper Podcast in 2020. On today's episode, Mr. Cooper talks about the future of the financial services industry in the Bahamas. We hope you find this informative. Sure, recognize this, the honorable member for the Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Speaker. I rise again proudly on behalf of the people of Exuma, the people of uh, Ragged Island. And I trust, Mr. Speaker, as this is the first opportunity speaking in this, this year. I trust that members had a great holiday. I would say, Mr. Speaker, that 2019 was a year of ups and downs, highs and lows. We were struck by a storm that laid waste to so much in our beautiful country. Some did not make it but others survived and shared stories of resilience that captured the attention of the world. And we're all still here, I see, Mr. Speaker. So in all things, we, we give thanks. I speak on the bill before us today, and it does not require extensive examination from the opposition. We were, if I recall correctly, just here perhaps a year ago when we debated this substantive bill. We supported it then. <coughs> of course, if one didn't know better, one would think that there's some sort of deja vu at play. How often we find ourselves coming back very quickly to amend bills that we just recently passed. Sometimes in a very short period of time. Sometimes with amendments that were proposed already and not accepted when the main bill was debated and passed. Such is the case, Mr. Mr. Speaker. And I'll go through some of the finer points, but I won't be long today <coughs> because we do support this bill. It gives an opportunity for us to help to pivot the financial services industry. And it's opportune because it gives rise to <coughs> talk about broader concerns and issues that plague our financial services and banking sector. <coughs> Before I go on, let me express a concern about what I notice as a more troubling trend in the local banking sector. And it's something I want to bring to the attention of this House and are placed on the records of this House before. The member for Sinan's mentioned the uh, disparities in the level of uh, service, particularly in the opening of bank accounts, and this is something of view that I share. But I'm concerned today what appears to be the inclination of <coughs> Canadian banks to diminish their presence in the Caribbean after years and years of billions <coughs> in profits without so much as a courtesy call to anyone in the Caribbean. I've long bemoaned inside this place and in other venues the unfair and inefficient practices of what many local banks are engaged, including fees, including delays, including <coughs> holding checks for inordinate period of time, notwithstanding <coughs> the automatic clearinghouse. We note today that I count Canadian banks who have been here for decades with multiple outlets, with massive books, 
of Bahamian loans. And I would say they have made contributions to our country. But I note that they have been shutting down branches, leaving our family islands unbanked in large measure, and levying <laughs> fees that oftentimes cripple consumers. Yes. Now where is the love? Where is the loyalty from these organizations? The Minister of Labor had promised to look into the matter of fees, but nothing has come of it. Now we hear of another troubling indicator from a large local bank primarily owned by Canadians. Last year came the news that CIBC was in the process of selling its Caribbean business to a Colombian institution for close to a billion dollars. This, along with the pending demise of the first, first Caribbean, raises the strategic question of whether regional regulators ought not to unite <coughs> and ensure that regional players who are loyal to the Caribbean region not be given first opportunity to acquire these banks and their portfolios. This might be an occasion, Mr. Speaker, for CARICOM to assert itself in support of regional banks. If we continue to allow outside players <coughs> to determine the fate of our local banking systems, without the opportunity to chart our own destinies, then we might as well have remained colonies. As I repeatedly point out, Mr. Speaker, Bahamians have taken control of, control of the insurance sector in the Bahamas. The banking sector control is achievable as well. <clears throat> and I often lament that we as Bahamians do not bond together to prevent this, but it seems clear to me now that Bahamians might need to go to Colombia now for approvals on their business facilities in the Bahamas. It makes very little sense, Mr. Speaker, and there's very little alignment with the English-speaking Caribbean and Colombia. And therefore, I call on regulators everywhere to consider whether some intervention in this matter may not be or may be appropriate. At the very least, we should have sought consultation with our Caribbean counterparts to see how best to marshal our resources and keep this wealth and these <coughs> banks within the CARICOM community. As to the bill before us, this bill is necessary in maintaining the country's position, be it ever under assault in the global financial services industry. These are technical amendments, and they're not controversial. I mentioned before this bill just passed in March of last year, and therefore it's regrettable that we, stand we spend more time amending today, Mr. Speaker, and it may suggest that when we present bills that we thoroughly consult and we thoroughly examine all facets and work along with our counterparts in the international financial <laughs> services community to ensure that we pass better bills and we get it right the first time. If we would take time, Mr. Speaker, then of course we would have occasion to spend more time 
or repositioning our financial services sector to take advantage of the new normal, whatever that new normal might be. This bill, as we understand it, does three main things. One, it amends the substantive act to strengthen the supervisory powers of the Securities Commission of the Bahamas. Two, it clarifies the role of the investment fund administrator and investment manager, including licensing and registration of same. And three, it clarifies the obligation of the custodian. In particular, the definitions of professional funds have been amended to reflect that persons qualifying to invest in professional funds must be professional investors. The amendments further require that the professional investor must have investment knowledge and experience and not qualify solely by financial status. Also, a new definition of a professional <coughs> investor is included in the amendments. The bill introduces a new provision to empower the commission to appoint an official receiver to oversee the liquidation of an investment fund which voluntarily surrenders its license. It outlines new procedures for the surrendering of a license and allows the commission to apply for court-supervised winding up of an investment fund which has surrendered it, its license without first suspending the license. The legislation now only requires the registration of investment fund managers as opposed to require them being licensed. Mr. Speaker, this bill is a good thing for an industry in the Bahamas often beset by bad news. It ensures compliance with the EU's substance requirements amongst the EU's often onerous and shifting rules. It positions us to be more competitive. Our service <coughs> providers in the institutional fund services will benefit in a premium way, as would lawyers, accountants, and directors, whether the actual administrators are in New York, Connecticut, or London. I note that since coming to office, this administration, Mr. <coughs> Speaker, has been at the helm as we have been gray-listed and blacklisted repeatedly <coughs> by the European Union in March 2018, by the CFATF in October 2018, by Holland in January of 2019, by the EU in February 2019, gray-listed by the EU in March 2019, blacklisted by France in December of 2019. And you know, and you know, one could start casting blame if one were not minded to stand with the government in national unity. <coughs> I suppose for us we are different from those on the other side. And that we do not share and we do not crow when the country is blacklisted or graylisted or downgraded by international agency. I heard plenty cheering over there, especially from it is, it is, after all, our Bahamas, <coughs> and we are nationalists on these issues. The opposition remains concerned about the application of different rules for some, and we join voices with our counterparts in the international financial centers in a call for a level playing field and the discontinuance of the moving of the goalposts. We take particular offense, particular and specifically to Holland and France, 
both members of the EU acting unilaterally outside of the EU's own rules, with the Bahamas having already complied with the EU mandates. We wholeheartedly reject this attempt to tarnish the reputation of the Bahamas and our financial services industry, which we have worked so hard to grow, protect, and comply with reasonable international norms. The process of these two countries in particular lacks fairness, transparency, and credibility. And we were pleased with the Minister of Finance pushback of late. The financial services industry knows that a progressive Liberal Party government <coughs> will fight to sustain a fully compliant financial services industry. <coughs> we will form effective alliances with rival international financial services centers and use international law, international oversight bodies like the United Nations to challenge the legitimacy of these blacklists that do real harm to the way of life in our country. Yes, we are nationalistic in our bipartisan support for sensible legislation passed by this parliament. And we seek to work with the Bahamas Financial Services Board. We seek to work with regulators. We seek to work with industry stakeholders. And I note, I note the Minister of Financial Services holding up a, 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 a photograph showing bipartisan support for sensible <laughs> legislation. Certainly on these certainly on these matters, Mr. Speaker, we recognize we recognize that what's good for the financial services industry is good for the middle class of our country. And we seek to work with the Bahamas Financial Services Board. We seek to work with regulators, industry stakeholders, on a unified strategic plan. We also congratulate the BFSB on winning the award for outstanding promotion of financial services in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. And they received this award from a UK-based publication, International Investor. And they ought to be commended for their work in this sector. We believe that if we all work proactively to negotiate, network, and lobby our international partners with assistance from our regional counterparts where necessary, we can stay ahead of the curve of the existential threats that face this sector. Maintaining a presence in the appropriate international bodies and using our embassies and consulates effectively is also key. The key to our survival in this space will be building capacity, honing expertise, and implementing common sense regulations and laws like this one. Further, the government, in my view, must earmark specific resources 
along with the industry and the Securities Commission and the Insurance Commission in the Bahamas and all the regulators to assist to market the Bahamas in the institutional market <coughs> to constantly promote the Bahamas. And I would go as far as saying that perhaps these regulators can earmark certain portion of the fees collected from industry <coughs> to go towards innovation and assist the industry with product development and promotion. Mr. Speaker, we are facing attrition. And as we lose international players, we bleed jobs that lead to the decimation of the middle class. Just this week, Julius Baer <coughs> decided to close shop in the Bahamas as it looked to cut costs and increase efficiencies as they claim. That one move cost this country at least 30 direct jobs in this industry. To help those unfamiliar with this industry understand, these are jobs that pay very well. Yes. And I worked for much of my career <coughs> in the international financial services business so I can tell you definitively that these are very good paying jobs and carry excellent benefits. They allow Bahamians to purchase homes, insurance, spur construction, pay school fees, buy cars, employ others, start businesses, pay taxes, and stimulate the economy in a real unmeasurable way. Yes. The way of life for many Bahamians is under direct threat as the industry shifts and the Bahamas is left without answers in the face of this assault. <coughs> Regrettably, I am advised that another large institution, bank in this space, is preparing to cut as many as 27 of these types of jobs in the very near future. Oh my God. We need to now be introspective and ask ourselves seriously what the future holds for the offshore financial services industry in the Bahamas. And we must act now. You would see that those financial institutions that have pivoted to the Latin American market with special emphasis on investment funds are best poised to survive. <coughs> However, through blacklisting and bullying, our confidentiality regime has been badly compromised, and with that, we have lost a great, a great deal of our competitive edge. There must be, and this is not optional, a strategic plan by the government working with the industry for the industry to enhance and protect jobs for the middle class. Or the middle class as we know it will be unrecognizable. <coughs> Many of the Bahamian people will have to defer retirement plans, dip heavily in their savings, perhaps reconsider children's education, and reconsider 
their investments as a result of the impact of losing their jobs in this industry. There may be some dark clouds yet ahead. And this is not a PLP or an FNM concern. It's a concern for all of us. But we do expect that the government of the day will present proactive solutions. This is a national concern, one of great importance. A business model has to transform. We need to focus, therefore, on real international business, having a presence here that is supported by the sector. Yes, we need real economic substance and presence. This will require smart planning, smart policies that is properly monitored and properly facilitated. It will require making sure we tout what is attractive for people who set up these companies to move their family offices here. And making sure that living and working in the Bahamas is sold as an attractive place to live, work, and play. <coughs> this will mean robust ease of doing business reforms, along with robust, informed, sensible immigration policies and processes to ensure that this all happens in an orderly, harmonious way. When organizations like the BFSB go around the world selling the Bahamas, they are doing just that, selling the Bahamas. And we have to make sure that we are able to follow through. When they deliver the business, we must be sure that we can follow through and provide the services that they promise. We also need a more efficient companies register. Global regulation is impacting all jurisdictions, and the Bahamas must be able to compete on service. We need to leverage opportunities in fintech, go after the captive business that we lost in the past, dig more deeply into the fund space as this legislation allows us to do. Business won't flourish if we don't address inefficiencies in service in areas that are meant to support this industry. We give lip service very often to the ease of doing business. Our industries demand that we act, and we act swiftly. The cost of doing business, the consistency and predictability of systems and services by government agencies, the consistent removal of red tape, better turnaround times at the NEC, the National Economic Council, and smoother approval processes will help to drive international business to the Bahamas. We need to modernize our approach and become more business focused and be more facilitated rather than impede business opportunities. We hear about these things year in and year out. I've spoken of them often since the good people of Exuma have given me this opportunity to be here. 
And oftentimes we speak on these issues, the thoughts are confronted with heckles from the other side. But we speak on behalf of our constituents who are losing their livelihoods. These are our countrymen who seek to build the Bahamas for their children and future generations. We have no choice but to act and to act now or we will lose this precious industry. <coughs> and then we will spend several generations, as we've spent trying to regain the captive business, we will spend several generations wondering why we did not do more to preserve what we have. And therefore, Mr. Speaker, a progressive liberal party government will stand hand in hand with the industry stakeholders, the Bahamas Financial <coughs> Services Board, and regulators to ensure that we consistently put in place proactive legislation that will consistently help <coughs> our jurisdiction to remain competitive and to continue to attract real international business of substance that employ people, and that create opportunities for all the Hamans. Speaker, on behalf of the people of Exuma and the wonderful people of Ragged Island, I thank you for this opportunity. Her Majesty, loyal opposition, supports these amendments. If you found this podcast informative, please share with someone in your community and subscribe. Also note that the podcast is available for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Also, please don't forget to visit ChesterCooper.com to learn more about the initiatives Mr. Cooper is involved in in the community.